listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today, one of my favorite people from YouTube, Giggins, joining me. Giggins, how you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Uh, doing great. It's great to have you here. I've been needing someone to... I'm a bit of a newbie with this band we're talking about today, even though they've been around forever, so it's great to have you here. We're going to talk about the Beach Boys, specifically the Lo-Fi Trilogy, and I've been... So I'm going to tell you a little story real quick. Uh, last year, when the pandemic hit, um, I really like started like digging into the Beach Boys, just kind of out of curiosity, because they are... Like, would you say you agree they're America's band in a way? For like, sure. Yeah, like, totally. Like you almost take them for granted. Like they're like fun, 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 you know, surfing USA. They're there. Like it's a thing. It's like Coca-Cola. But I really started <laughs> to start to think about them. Like, you know, like there's gotta be stuff like, you know, outside like like that. Like they're a band, like they there's probably album cuts, like there's probably full records to like that I should explore outside the hits. So I really like dove deep and I managed to like I got a copy of almost every album on CD and I've just been loving the music and digging deep into it. It's like, I found their history really interesting. I knew nothing about Brian Wilson, and what he was dealing with. And so when I got into it, I found your YouTube channel and you were kind of like a fun little like supplemental material to have as I walked through these albums. It was really cool to find that channel. And, and you were a very big Beach Boys fan as anyone that watched your channel knows. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I'm glad it was worthwhile. I'm glad it's, helping <laughs> oh, yeah, no it's great because uh, uh, i would i would like before sometimes before i listen to the album i would watch your review so that would be I get a little like idea of what i was going in for oh that's rad that's so, cool man yeah that's so, a huge compliment thank you so much you're welcome man so we got to start at the beginning how did you get into the beach boys because uh i, f I feel like you might have told the story on your channel at some point but i don't remember exactly how so and let the audience know how you got into the beach boys uh, it's probably been a minute since I've talked about it, but when I was like four or five years old, I was out with my family shopping at a department store called Bradley's, which doesn't exist anymore. And there was a cassette tape of the chipmunks. It was called Monk Rock. And I just liked the cover. It was the chipmunks with guitars. I thought it was cool. because so I was, you know, four. Right. And I picked it up and uh, it had like, I want to hold your hand, this diamond ring, California girls uh downtown like all these 60s songs and something about it spoke to me and I asked if I can get it and I got it and I lived on it for a couple of months and then one day my brother came in to my room with our my mom's copy of Endless Summer on cassette mm. and he said look we've heard the chipmunks you got to hear this and he played me California Girls the real one and I to this day I can still remember how I felt hearing that intro for the first time and being like transported to a different dimension because of how expansive and dynamic it sounded and how unchipmunks it was but uh yeah that that chipmunk tape got me into the beach boys big time and then from there <laughs> i discovered my parents record collection um i went down the rabbit hole from there nice so like what year was that for you like i'm i'm like in my like late 20s so like where did you like where about like how old were you like what year was it when, uh, when you this like, would have been like 1992 okay i think Okay. I, I was like five at that point. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's a bit of a little bit of an age, age got there, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. That makes sense. So yeah, I, that's really cool. And I think you mentioned at one point, like there was also the Brian's book was really uh, important to you, I think. Oh, in high school, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I knew their, their hits throughout my childhood and some of their, I knew pet sounds as a kid. I bought that when I was like 12. Yeah. I remember buying that CD before my birthday. 
with birthday money. And then, um, yeah, I think I was like 17 when I read Brian's sort of biography, make of that one what you will from 1991. <laughs> that one's, it's kind of a mixed bag. But anyways, it introduced me to stuff that I never knew, like Smiley Smile and um, Holland and all this other stuff. So I went out and bought Smiley Smile because of that book. And it blew my mind because I was like, I had no idea the Beach Boys could sound this far out. And from there, it was just a spiral of everything I can get my hands on, every deep cut, every bootleg album, you <laughs> name it. <laughs> I feel like that's the case. Once you like, like you get you gain the appreciation for the hits and they're, they're, they're hits for a reason. But once you break that seal on like Smile and Smiley Smile and all that kind of other stuff surfs up, like it's like yeah. opening a whole new realm in being a Beach Boys fan. Pandora's box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. For good and for bad. <laughs> totally. And that was one of the things that kind of drew me in because like, I'm, I don't mind the hits and I still enjoy them quite a bit, but yeah. I always love digging into a band's like deeper, deeper stuff. And there's so much to get into. And that's kind of why I chose the lo-fi trilogy to talk about because it's such a fascinating period. Cause yeah. like we started at, so like we start kind of with pet sounds got a really good reception it didn't do as well as the previous albums from what i what i remember reading but it got a good reception so brian wilson's status was kind of elevated in the industry and he had, he was gonna like this is gonna be you know my opus like smile was gonna be like his he called it a teenage symphony to god right that's the exact yeah. quote yep. so he started making that and then that just fell apart like through like his mental health issues and like drugs I'm sure were a factor in and just kind of the band being unsure about the direction they're going in and mm -hmm. it kind of all imploded. And so we took a step back and then we kind of end up with these three very stripped back albums that are like not as grandiose or large as kind of smile and want, like he kind of intended smile to be. They're like, yeah. like when I listen to, I listen to pets, pet sounds and I listen to smiley smile back to back getting ready for this. And yeah. it's really, it's really like a jarring, like transition in a way. Like to, I kind of wanted to get the feel for someone that was in the sixties that might've like bought Pet Sounds and then bought Smiley Smile as a new release. And it really is kind of a like, whoa feeling. It completely is. I mean, at that time too, when, when Pet Sounds came out, you're right. Like in England, it was humongous. It was treated as fairly as a Beatles record was. But in America, I think it peaked in number 10, which was a, a little low for them. It's still a top 10 album. It's, Nothing yeah. to sneeze at, but um, I mean, the reception from Capital was so like, I don't know, man. They ended up putting out a greatest hits album to overshadow it. And then Brian was like, nope, I'm going to do one better and put up good vibrations. And at that point, he was heralded as a, you know, a genius because Derek Taylor was their press officer at this point. He was marketing the Beach Boys to be completely everything non-surf related to scrape that image off. And it's really bizarre because if you heard Good Vibrations, that was a number one song. It was humongous. It changed yep. everything. And then Smiley Smile comes out after, you know, a year of wanting to, of waiting for Smile and nothing happened. And then you hear Smiley Smile and you're like, what happened? Like, where's this band that was like finally getting going? And then this comes out. At the time, it must have been completely strange to hear it. I mean, 2020 being what it is now, we can listen back on their whole discography and make of it from what you will now. But at that time, it must have been pretty crazy. Right. You can kind of draw the lines now, but uh, there, there was one thing I was wondering about. I'm, like, I like that you kind of jumped in there. This is why I brought you on, because I need you to fill in my B 
Beach I won't shut history. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please, <laughs> please tell please, me to stop talking. No, talk, talk as much as you want. <laughs> want but like, like, there were a lot of factors that kind of killed Smile. Like, I always have kind of pontificated, like, do you think if it had been completed, like, if they had maybe just waited a little bit longer, like, they obviously didn't, and they couldn't in the 60s, but if they waited a little bit longer, was there any chance of it being pulled together? And would it have lived up to the hype? It, it would have certainly lived up to the hype, for sure. Um, especially because it was just as grandiose and just as inventive and just as far out as Pet Sounds had set the groundwork for. Um but there's no clear answer as to like one thing that said smile will never happen. There's a myriad of answers. There's too many factors that led to that thing's demise. One of them being just the constant pressure from capital. Cause you know, for those who don't know what the record business was like back then, bands would put out two or three albums a year, singles, tour, be on the radio. And they were nonstop. So that pressure from the label must have been horrible. And especially for a guy like Brian, who was such a, conf- a control freak, you know, doing every single thing to make it sound the way he exactly heard it in his head. Um, I'm sure he got to the point where he was just fed up and burnt out and tired and said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Obviously, drugs may have been a factor for sure. Um, you know, opposition from the guys coming back from tour and being like, what do we do with this? <laughs> yeah. Cause how do we play this live? <laughs> yeah. How do, how do we play this live? None of this makes any sense. It's all pieces. How do you put it together? Cause he recorded in his modular good vibration style for most of that record. So it's just a scatterbrain project. So it's really, it's one of those things where I've, I've played around with the idea of making a video about that for a long time, because it's such a dense topic to delve into. But had it come out, it would have been an absolute game changer. It, it would have set the pace for a world of. Could you imagine what the Beatles would have done to follow that up? Like right. they put out Pepper at the same time as Smile. And I mean, the White Album would have never happened at all. Yeah, the I White Album so. happened because of Smiley Smile. Of how lo fi and chilled and laid back it was, the Beatles did the same thing. They were like, we, did, we went too far out. Let's just put our guitars on and jam for a couple albums like that was exactly what happened so they played back and forth ping pong for a long time (laughs) but um yeah man if if smile had come out i honestly don't think that they would have topped it though i think that would have been brian's like there's no way i can stop this again you know yeah i think it would have hurt him more than it already did to be honest with you that's interesting that's that's an interesting take too much yeah yeah, because I, like, I, like I said, I've been reading a lot about this stuff. I've been trying to learn as much as I can about these guys because they're just fascinating. I even watched uh, Love and Mercy last year, which that I movie that. Was, that I didn't, there was so much I didn't know in there. And, and just watching the portrayal, like, you know, like if he was anything like, you know, in the movie, you know, he was really treading water at that point. This was also a source of great anxiety for him. So what you said mm-hmm. is a good transition. He literally like said like, okay, let's strip this back. Let's let's bring this in home. Let's, you know, make this like, I, what was the quote I read? I think it was from Al Jardine said like homespun smile is what this is what smiley <laughs> smile is going to be. That's the first record we're going to talk about tonight, guys. Uh, smiley smile. Uh, yes. <laughs> got my two for here. He's, he's got, is that the, uh, the new one? This That's one's a one? British one, actually. This is from oh, okay. England. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, released September 18th, 1967. 
this came out to interesting reviews. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I would I wouldn't call them glowing, but there were some that that, that they were positive, but in a weird way. It was, it was like I can't call this bad, but I don't know what to call this either. Yeah, it was a head scratcher. I mean, it did really well in England. I think it hit like number nine or something in England or hit 41 in America, something like that. Um, but they were already heralded as like the next group to compare with the Beatles and the Stones in England. So they were ready for anything that came out. Um, yeah. And you got to remember in the summer of 67, England put out Then I Kissed Her as a single and the Beach Boys did not want that to happen. So this two-year-old song was a hit in England because they were, they were so starved for anything. The Surfer Girl album came out in the summer of 67, I think. Wow. For the first time. So years later, they're finally catching up with the stuff that had been out for years in America. So they were hungry for Beach Boys. So it did well in England. Like Pete Townsend loves Smiley Smile. Um, I, I believe that. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. I didn't, I had no idea that was a single, like that she get, then I kissed her was a single over there or that Surfer Girl that took weird? that long. That is wow that's like two different eras like like competing yeah. in the same moment that is they weren't happy with it <laughs> I, i'd imagine so <laughs> it was not what they wanted to come out as a single at all but um yeah re- you're totally right man reviews were completely split like people were like head scratching their heads or hating it or loving it it was nothing was like positive it was just kind of like we don't understand what they're doing now <laughs> totally Let's hit the track by track. Um, first up, we got Heroes and Villains. This is by far and along one of my favorite Beach Boys songs. Uh, even growing up, uh, I remember my grandma's greatest hit CD. Like I remember skipping to that song to hear it because it just sounded so big and grand to me and different than like, I like Surfer Girl and, you know, Surfing USA and like the early stuff help, like Help Me Rhonda. But there was something about like this big, massive like orchestral production that really drew me in like the kazoo sound and the two different <laughs> sections it was really it really stood out from the other tracks on the cd at the time so i i really dig it uh technically this was the only single from the album if you don't count good vibrations uh and it was the first song written by van dyke parks yeah yeah it's a funky track i mean i remember it's funny you mentioned hearing it as a kid too because my brother had a copy of made in the usa that 80s greatest hits mm. And I think that was the only tape we had that song on. And it's, its placement was funky. It was next to like, wouldn't it be nice or something? Or like, you know, be true to your school. It was, like, it was some weird song. And then you get this really bizarre harpsichord laden, creepy, eerie track. I mean, I'll never forget like the first line. I've been in this town so long that back in the city, I've been taken for lost and gone. And I know for a long, long time, like what a mouthful to spit out. And then just, crazy carnival ride of a song um what a weird track <laughs> yeah it's like a fun, this song and the whole album we're, we've stepped into the fun house now the fun house of it's, it's it's gonna get weird <laughs> it's, it's gonna get weird before it gets normal again uh, there, there was one thing i wanted to ask you about this because like i said you are the beach boy historian to me I was reading that the version on the album is supposed to be a bit more of a muddled, like fuzzier mix, like kind of like not sounding as good as the single did. Is that true? Because I was trying to hear a difference and I haven't quite picked one out yet. That's what the rumor is. I honestly can't tell a difference myself. And I've heard this song for 25 years now. So, I mean, I, I can't tell the difference too much. Like the smile stuff sounds different because there's just more bits and pieces to it. But right. um, the smiley smile one. Yeah. Compared to the single, 
I'd be hard pressed to say there's too much of a difference. I mean, there's always a difference with a single mix to brighten it up a little bit for the radio presence, but right. yeah, not, not to Myers anyway. Huh. Yeah, I will say ever since I've heard up, uh, I've heard Brian Wilson smile. I haven't heard the Beach Boys smile box set yet. It's coming in the mail. I actually just oh, nice. I actually just won the eBay auction yesterday. Um, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's on its way. But I've heard Brian Wilson's version of smile. And I mm. kind of missed the in, in the cantina section when I was getting ready for this. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I don't know why. I, don't, I liked that little addition. I thought it was so cool. You're under arrest. Yeah. And then that last part comes out. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that that smile came out, man. That was a trippy. That was unbelievable that you can hold smile in your hands. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. yeah I, I, I bet for you that that had to be something like totally insane because like you'd been a fan for quite a while at that point. And then not only did you get to hold smile in your hand, you saw that tour. I did see that tour. Yeah. I've got a poster on my wall from uh, the set list. I cut out of the newspaper. That's how old <laughs> I am. I, read, I used to read newspapers. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, that was an amazing show. Yeah. No. Nice. that's incredible uh track two we got uh vegetables uh this allegedly features <laughs> paul mccartney chewing on vegetables with the band and this proves to me that beach boys invented asmr this is the first <laughs> asmr uh i always found this song it's kind of cute it sticks in your head like super glue if i hear it i'm walking around with that song in my head the rest of the day mm-hmm. i will just randomly start singing it like like my wife was pointing that out to me like like you're doing it again like oh yeah i am so <laughs> yeah i like i like this one a lot uh i was considered for a single at one point too which is bizarre to me oh. but it's it, that would have been career suicide probably but it's yeah <laughs> it's i don't know i find it entertaining and catchy what do you think oh it's a fun song yeah the one on the on the record is carl i think getting the celery on uh, smile it's actually paul okay um, doing the chomp in there but yeah it's a fun little song and it's what's cool about this one is it sets the pace for the rest of the album being incredibly lo-fi there's only like two instruments on this song and there's nothing yeah. there and they make up for that by how densely layered their harmonies are throughout this whole album there's so many harmonies on this album so their vocals are the main center point which is really cool beyond like just a little bit of a bass underneath it but um yeah, it's a it's a fun little song. I can't believe it was considered for a single. Yeah, horrible a, choice for a single. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have yeah that would have been. Uh, can, you, can you imagine coming out of that coming out of smile as the first single? Oof. <laughs> Here's the new one for the Beach Boys. Vegetate, vegetate. But like, you know what? Let's just put on pet sounds again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, basically. Oh man, we yeah, had great song and really cool, really cool. And I, I like that you pointed out like this is where. I noticed this too when I first listened to this album. Like, I remember the very first time, like, there's not much here. There is vet vocal, there's vocals, there's mouth percussion, essentially. And yeah. I don't know, I'm assuming, like, it sounds like someone blowing on a jug, but maybe it's a flute. There's got to be a jug in there somewhere. It yeah. sounds like them at that time. Yeah. yeah. Just like, what do we got in Brian's studio? That'll work. <laughs> What's in the kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And then, then we get back into the scary funhouse mirrors with Fall Breaks and Back to Winter. Um, this is an interesting little instrumental piece. I always find it a little jarring and unsettling after vegetables because it, that's so sunshiny and now we've wandered into the dark part of the woods. Uh, but I like the vocal harmonies. They're really cool. I'm not sure uh, why this is here in some ways because like it, it's like it's like a really random like left turn off the path in, in a way, but... <laughs> And it's kind of like a bad trip, 
a bit like yeah. like it's a little scary but i don't know it's kind of strange in a way but i i enjoy it but it's it's a, it's a definitely a strange third track like you're definitely have veered off the path into the scary part of the forest <laughs> it's funny you mentioned a bad trip because in the around the late 60s early 70s uh the beach boys were told that some drug clinics actually would play this record for guy people coming off of bad trips to calm them down so it's funny you mentioned that. I feel like, put this on? like <laughs> I just, I can't imagine that being good. It's just so unsettling. Terrifying. Boom, 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 boom. What's coming after me? Boom, 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 boom. This isn't good. You, you completely nailed it, though. It's I don't remember. Serves me correctly. I don't think this song was at all involved with Smile. I think this is just on this album, but. I want to say its inclusion was here purely because they, they didn't want to just take all the songs from Smile and redo them. So I think it was like a new song to fill in space, but what a wacky track. I mean, it's um, yeah. it's atmospheric. It's very eerie. It's sort of a Halloween type song. But yeah, they called it Woody Woodpecker Symphony because it sounds like <laughs> a catchphrase, you know? But uh, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, that, Woody Woodpecker is adorable. This song is like Woody Woodpecker on speed in house in wonderland yeah, yeah we're all mad here this what he takes the trip yeah what he takes a trip <laughs> oh man well speaking of, speaking of trips and things getting weird uh she's going bald uh yeah. i really feel the lo-fi vibe on this one i remember at this mm-hmm. point thinking what have i gotten myself into because also quick sidebar so my first Beach Boys CD was this one right here. Oh, yeah. Um, I bought this, on, it's, for those that can't see, obviously, it's Greatest Hits Volume 2. Um, I bought this one strictly because I wanted to start with some deeper tracks. So then I was like, okay, Heroes and Villains, that's on Smiley Smile. I should purchase that. So this was my first Beach Boys full album listening experience. Oh, cool, man. That's so awesome. It was great, but I was also like, what's going on here what just came from ebay it, it, came from, it came from the depths of ebay but man like i said really lo-fi vibe i feel like everybody is in the room recording this in one take and it's just a strange little ditty another one where i feel like i may have hit a bad trip uh when the, yeah. especially when the helium vocal kicks in uh, <laughs> but allegedly this song is uh it's about a blowjob where someone pulls the girl's hair out because it's so good. It's that's what the rumor is. Uh, it, Mike, I think confirmed something about that in the early seventies. Someone asked him about it. That's what the rumor is. I don't know if it's actually true. I always thought it was just about hair loss. I, I went innocent with it for a very long time before <laughs> I read the comment. I was like, oh, I guess she lost her hair. That sucks. You know, whatever. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little comedy sketch i love also uh she drew a comb across her head her head like i love that part like the, i call it the freak out because, because threw like, it in a sack. <laughs> yeah i mean this is one of those albums where like if i have someone come over in non-covid times and i'm like you want to hear something weird like i'll put this album on and when that song comes on their ears perk up they're like what are we listening to this is one of those songs that like Oh, you want to hear the Beach Boys not do surf music? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, this, this, uh, all right. Okay, you want to go down the rabbit hole? All right. <laughs> <laughs> but this was actually a smile song that was called this He was? Gives Speeches. Yeah, it was ah. called He Gives Speeches. Whole different set of lyrics, whole different sort of uh, mentality to it. 
and it took the basic skeletal idea of the track and made this wacky little crazy number. Did the original make the Smile Sessions box set? I'm sure it's on there. It's been a while since I've looked at that thing, but I'm pretty sure it's on there. Okay, I'm, cur- I'm no curious. Had to to hear that it was now. part of that time. Yeah, I thought I thought this is one of the new the new ones. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, I call it yeah, new. Yeah, got redone. Yeah, but that one in particular. Yeah, when that's you hear he gives mixes or he gives speeches, you'll be like, oh, that's she's going bald. <laughs> totally. Uh, up next, we got a little pad. Oh wait, one last thing I wanted to say I liked about uh she's going bald. Mike's vocal is really good on that yeah. one. Yeah. I, I I know a lot of people like to shit on Mike Love for like some of the terrible things he's he's done or said, but right. man, his voice like. I, I gotta give him props. Like I, I, have a, I have a hard time dismissing him totally. Like I know he's not always the most likable character, but man, I hear a song like this or uh, "Everyone's in Love with You" on Fifteen Big Ones. Like, Love that one. He, he's so good. So like I always like when people like like you just throw out Mike Love and the Beach Boys are that much better. Like no, no, they're not. Like, like, <laughs> no, they need all of them to be the yeah. Beach Boys. Completely. And if he wasn't there, they'd have a really hard, honestly, they'd have a hard time being as quote unquote commercial as they were. So I'm not in any way trying to defend the guy, but he had a lot of good attributes to the band and none of them are angels anyway. So yeah, you know, put it that way. <laughs> right. So little pad, uh, good harmony. Yeah. Uh, not sure what's going on at the beginning. Uh, I like Carl's vocal. Uh, I like the humming harmonies and I love the bits of ukulele and I hear construction sounds workshop. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and their friend Arnie was in the control booth doing the good. That's that's their friend Arnie. <laughs> who, um, I think he wrote the I think he wrote the um, inscription on the back of the Wild Honey album. Yeah, him and him and Steve Corthoff, they wrote the uh, message on the back there. But yeah, that's him doing the good. <laughs> love that. <laughs> so cool. Uh, any thoughts on, on this one? I love this song. It's just a nice little. Oh no, I'm thinking of um, with me tonight, not little pad. I'm thinking <laughs> of with me tonight. Well, I jumped, I jumped, I jumped the gun there. But little pad, yeah, I it's got a nice little yeah. The humming section is just comfy and a very warm song. It's a very comfortable song for this one. And I like Carl on the lead. His his voice is nice and soft in that one. Yeah, dig that track a lot. All right. Well, next we we get if if everything at this point has been a bit much for you, you get to come up for a breath of fresh air with good vibrations. <laughs> and what the hell can I say about this one that hasn't been said? The song is just a Stone Cold classic and for a reason. The theremin is cool. I Even as a kid, I always like look forward to the song coming on the oldie station because I love the kind of the woo, the theremin part. It was so cool. Yeah. Completely, very, man. It's an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine what people buying this album for that song thought. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I, yeah, there's not much to say that can that I can say that hasn't already been said, just that two interesting factoids I have. Brian didn't want this on the album, which is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. And maybe because he was trying to get away from Smile completely. And I also love the alternate lyrics on Brian Wilson's Smile. I think that's they're very cool. Yeah, I remember hearing that for the first time, being like caught off guard. Except at that time, I didn't know there were different versions of the words, which was pretty cool. But yeah, Brian didn't want this on the album because it was basically put there to sell it. And plus it was a standalone single. So they gave it a home on this album because it was easier just to put the album on. Oh, there's good vibrations instead of going through your 45 stack. But right. yeah, he didn't want it on the album, but and it also doesn't really fit. It's, it sounds, I don't want to use the word dated, but it doesn't sound of the same 
mold because it wasn't. It was recorded professionally in a studio, and most of this was done with really cheap equipment in his pool. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, sonically, it doesn't work. But, you know, it's, it is nice to have it on an actual album, but I never think of it as a smiley smile track, ever. I always think of it as a song by itself. Right. Even Heroes and Villains, which kind of has that same professional quality to it, yeah. it fits th- this weirdness. It's like, like you know, I, I think I thought of a good metaphor for it, and that is, you know, it's the guy, it's the carnival barker. Hurry, hurry, step right up. See the vegetables. <laughs> see the bald girl. See, journey through Woody Woodpecker's forest. It's an step into the wonderful world of the Beach Boys. That's what Heroes and Villains is. This is just kind of okay. You can breathe now. Breathe. Okay. And then. <laughs> We'll hit you with side with the rest of side B. It's like, remember why you're here. You bought that single. Here it is. Please stay. <laughs> Please stick around. Don't, don't touch that needle. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Please buy our albums from now on. <laughs> Please, we Please. promise. We promise the next one won't be that weird. We'll we'll never we'll never say no to Monterey Pop Festival ever again. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Fuck, that was good. They'll uh, never take off. Screw oh, it. that was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. So that's good vibrations, kids. Um, with me tonight, uh, some classic Beach Boys starting out. This one minimal ins- instrumentation, and there's some organ in there. Uh, feels a little unfinished to me, but I like it. It's kind of like acid doo-wop music. Ooh, that's a cool phrase. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's good, man. I, I completely dig that. Yeah, I, I understand completely what you mean by that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's um yeah, this is the one with the good in the middle, but yeah, I mean that little bit of bass, the harmonies. I think it's Carl doing the lead on this one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The the back cover tells me it's Carl. So <laughs> yeah, it's a real smooth, nice little song. It's one of my favorites on the album, actually. If I had to pick like the top two or three, that's one of them. Yeah, I love that song. It's incredible. Totally. Uh yeah. Not much more to say on that one, but I, I dig it. Uh, anything else on that one? No, a simple little track. It's the point across. It's got right. like three words in it, so. Cool. <laughs> I, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to this next one, uh, Wind Chimes. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful song. It's kind of dreary and floaty, too. Like, at first, mm. I, was, I wasn't sure what to think of one. This, one. this one took some time to grow on me, but it did. Um, I feel like I'm in a hammock, and I'm watching the sun go down. It's just very soothing and calming and haunting you know like it's it's kind of it's not creepy like the woody woodpecker thing is but there is an eeriness to it too there's a minor key thing going on and it's really cool and there's that organ again yeah (laughs) have you heard the smile version of this song uh just brian wilson's uh smile version because i mean that's yeah night and day difference yeah i mean it's like a super happy song and smile version and this one's kind of like I, I, it's funny you mentioned like being outside and watching the sunset. I always think it's raining whenever I hear this song. Cause like Carl's, is it Carl or Brian singing this one? This is ah, sure, sure. everybody. And their voices blend together so well, but when they say, oh, hanging down from my window, I'm always like, oh God, what's happening outside? <laughs> Please don't open the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's, it's Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> Woody's, Woody's back and he's tripping hard, man. Oh God. Yeah, I, I dig it though. It's it's funky, and I remember the first time I heard the smile version, it blew me away because I was like, "Wow, I didn't know this song could sound happy." <laughs> right? Yeah, that 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 was weird. I remember thinking some of these songs, like like my ears have adjusted to, to this album that I've grown to appreciate it more. 
But then yeah. I remember hearing Spout like, okay, this is what these songs could be. Yeah, completely. Yeah. But it's nice to have both versions. It really is. It really is. It's really cool to hear what headspace they were in. And I sometimes, I have to wonder like how Brian managed to pull them into this this world because you, you like I, like we were talking about Mike Glover earlier, he was kind of the don't fuck with the formula guy. Right. How the hell did he end up going along with this? Uh, paycheck. <laughs> you know what? Valid. <laughs> you get you get to the point where you realize this is all you have to work with. So you say, all right, let's just do it. See what happens. Yep. We'll go out on tour, make some more money that way and have a new album out. So, yeah. <laughs> he plays, he factors in big on the next one. Uh, getting hungry. Uh, this is a... Yeah. This is a strange little number. Some weird this choppy. Yeah, it was, but it was credited to I think just Mike and Brian. Like it wasn't like credited to the Beach Boys, if I remember correctly. Isn't that weird. Yeah. Oh, like, why would you release it as like a duo? Like just put like that. Like it's more it's more gra- gravitas for the album. Like why don't just credit completely? Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. It's so weird. Uh, some weird choppy guitar going on, but that chorus hits just right. I like the simple percussion going on and yeah. the lo-fi vibes are really strong i think i can hear a chair creaking on this one it's so lo-fi <laughs> but yeah really cool yeah, and, I, and kind of like in a way of like this could like be the prelude to vegetables Ooh, i like that and wonderful follow it should be getting hungry vegetables and then wonderful because you're right. full yeah i like it <laughs> yeah getting hungry is a cool song and it's interesting because Mike had a band in the late 70s called Celebration. And he hmm. redid that song as like a pop track. It's not bad. Interesting. Some of the Beach Boys group was with him on that project. But hmm. um, I forget. I have the album somewhere. But yeah, it's really not that bad. to hear it like redone, sort of fully visioned, if you will. Hmm. But Is that thing easy it. to find? Is that thing easy to find? Uh, I stumbled across mine. After not seeing it for yes and no, you could probably buy it online. I, I get most of my stuff in person, so yeah. you could probably find it online easy enough. And I, I'm sure you can download it somewhere too. But yeah, the records are probably like a you know five bucks, they're pretty cheap. Yeah, that'll be easy to find then. Yeah, I, I dig this one. Um, up next, uh, this is my favorite song that I've heard so far come from Smiley Smile or Smile itself. Yeah, uh, I love Brian's version on his album too. Wonderful. Uh, this song is gorgeous i do prefer his version maybe a tad bit more than this one but it's just a such a cool song it's a wonderful little coming of age song and carl turns in a nice vocal performance on this one it's so so like it's a trip it really is something like that has to be experienced i love this one well said yeah no i enjoy it a lot because you feel like you mentioned asmr before this song is very asmr for me because carl's right against hot against the mic and you can hear every crisp, tender part of his voice coming out. You can hear his lips pursing. You can hear like his mouth getting wet. You know, the way he like whispers into the microphone. It's a very atmospheric type of track vocally. The instrument, instrumentationally, which is a word I just made up, not much going on, but his vocals are definitely the standout. Yeah, for sure. Totally. But yeah, incredible song. And if you want to check out some of the weirder stuff on here, I this is my one I'm going to send you guys to. Go check this song out. It's great. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like, in my opinion, like the last real full thought out song on the album. Because then we get Whistle In, which it's really weird. And maybe it's appropriate in a way. It kind of drifts in, does its thing, and then it leaves. 
it's not a terrible yeah. way to the end of the album, but it's kind of strange, all things considered. It's like everything just kind of, it's like the Cheshire cat disappearing after he's like, you know, I'm not all here myself. And <laughs> it's, it's really strange. You just kind of left wondering what happened. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, this was one of their modular bits they had hanging around. Uh, it was originally called like all day, all through the night or something like that before they changed it to whistle in and added the whistling bits to it. But I'm pretty sure there's demos of this on that Sunshine Tomorrow 1967 CD. I'm pretty sure there's moments of it on that thing. But yeah, I've, I've always liked it because like if there's one thing the Beach Boys are good at, they can take 30 seconds of an idea and create such an earworm that it's going to stay in your head forever. Like that little bit is such an ear hook for oh, whistling. Totally. totally. And that's the first album in the Lo-Fi Trilogy. That's Smiley Smile, a really good record. Definitely worth checking out. Definitely worth your time. And definitely, if you want to get outside like the normal Beach Boys, you know, surfer, car stuff, good place to start for sure, I think. Definitely. Uh, I agree. So, yeah, <laughs> but th- like we said, this album kind of, had a, kind of had a split reception. The ghost of Smile hung over this album. It was over its head, like kind of like, you know, like what could have been in a way. And yeah. there was still talk that Smile could come out after that. Um, but obviously that kind of never totally materialized. But the ghost of Smile hangs around and pops up again in each of the next two records we're going to talk about, including, yeah. uh, we'll get to it in, uh, towards the end of the album, but Wild Honey released December 18th, 1967. Uh, there he is with the vinyl and my two for here. Uh, yeah. This album was more of a conscious decision, like let's do something more soulful and R and B. Brian's a little less involved this time around, but it's still very lo-fi. Um, it's a very dry production on this one, I think. Mm, yeah, it really is dry. Yeah, not a lot of reverb on this thing. Not at all. Like it's very, and uh, I think Carl is pushing himself like to sing a lot, a lot higher, a little, a lot more soulful on these songs. Yeah, for sure. They all had a, this one is interesting too, because it's like almost like the complete opposite of Smiley Smile, where most of those songs have lots of group vocals. This one focuses a lot of solo guys on here. I've been, um, you know, the guys kind of play background to pushing out one center vocalist. Right. Yeah. It's, kind of like, it's, it's, like, it's like having, it's like basically every kind of everybody gets a turn to front the band a bit and everybody kind of else kind of like backs them up. That's a good way to look at it. That's great. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Which, yeah. But this album ended up getting like, like the reception was really good for this. It made Rolling Stones list of 500 greatest albums of all time. So clearly people love this thing. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. This is in my top five hands down. Nice. This is a bad song on this thing. Nice. Uh, I, this was a little, it's kind of an easier transition when you come out of Smiley Smile the first time, like, and you hit, oh God, yeah. you, you hit, you hit <laughs> Wild Honey and you're like, okay, I am familiar with this song. Uh, maybe, maybe we're out of the bad trip now. Uh, so let's, ju- <laughs> let's jump in right there. Wild Honey. Uh, great song. Brings back that soulful R- R&B vibe they were going for. Carl's vocal really pushes the limits of his upper range. He is straining to hit those notes. But yeah. it, 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 it sounds really good. It was a bit of a hit, reached 31 on the charts. Uh, I love the little organ part that comes in and it retains that stripped back vibe of the previous album, but it's something totally different. Uh, great way to start the record. Yeah, this album definitely is a little bit more fulfilling uh, instrument wise. There's some more going on and um, a little bit more production here. They had better equipment to record with at this point in Brian's house. I think a little bit of this was done in a studio with a couple of session musicians, but for the most part, it was mostly them because they wanted to make an album that sounded like 
them playing all together, which they hadn't done in years. I think since Shut Down Volume 2 was the last time like they were all in the studio, hunkered down together with their instruments. Because after that, Brian just used the Wrecking Crew because, you know, yep. the Wrecking Crew. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Wild Honey, though, is, I mean, it's such a cool song. And Blondie Chaplin used to do that one live in the 70s when he was touring with them. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, next, we got uh, Aren't You Glad? Uh, the traditional song structures continue. What a concept. Uh, it's a pretty straight ahead <laughs> song, uh, though, the inst- though the instruments are more fleshed out than the previous album. So it's, you know, it's not quite as bare bones, but like I said, it's still there. It's a good vocal performance. This one, I don't dislike Wild Honey as an album. I don't, but maybe it's because the other two are so we're going to talk about. We've talked about Smiley Smile and Friends. They're so out there. It's almost like this one kind of gets lost in the fray at times. Hmm. I can, uh, I can, I can understand that. But it's not yeah, a bad Aren't... song at all. Yeah, no. And the cool thing about Aren't You Glad, you might have one of their live albums by now, but they're, um, that song live at that time, whole different experience. It was expansive. The horn section was alive. That track just has a whole exciting, vibrant life to it on stage. A few of these ones they did live. And nice. that one in particular was a really good live track. So, yeah, I've always liked it. I kind of like the tender feeling to it. And Mike, again, another really nice Mike vocal on this one, too. Totally. Uh, I actually haven't hunted down any of the live records yet. That's something I still need to do. I've got the studio works, but I need to find some of the live records. I know there's, I know there's a few in the catalog. That Live in London album is worthwhile picking up. They recorded that in, in December of 68, mm. and it came out basically everywhere in, in the world in 69 except for america it came out in 76 i think in america it's mm. called beach boy 69 in america but live in london nice. hands down great experience yeah totally actually that that's it's worth mentioning live albums again because this came out of a failed live album they're supposed to be laid in hawaii yeah. and that right didn't happen yeah. no they recorded it and that's the change their mind yep, just <laughs> nope <Classic> beach boys <laughs> nope that's gonna be shelved so yeah (laughs) appropriate that we bring up a live record on this one um i was made to love her this is a cool stevie wonder cover more of the r&b vibe carl wilson back on leads again this one has a lot of oomph to it like i like the energy on this one yeah totally there's like there's a there's definitely a wild energy to this one they're really feeling it and there's some good alternate takes of them where it's just acapella of them doing like the background vocals with carl kind of riffing in the front they were having a good time on this one. It really shows, but yeah, that dense, there's a dense production to this song that doesn't really match anything else on the rest of the album. It's got kind of a labored feel to it, but I like that because Carl's vocal on top is just having a good time. So, you know, two songs already with Carl just ripping it vocally or, uh, you know, I'm sold. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, next we get one of my favorites on the album, Country Air. This is a slice of classic Beach Boys harmonies. It features what sounds like a saloon-style piano playing. There's some minimal drums. <laughs> and I swear I hear Mellotron on this thing. I can't confirm it, but I hear what sounds like a Mellotron. This is one of my faves. Uh, everybody sounds great on this one. Just, man, like this This is like, this would have fit on the like the prior to Pet Sounds albums, I, I think. Yeah, it's a groove. I mean, it's just like a little head bobber of a track. And they would do this one live too. But this yeah. one is, I feel like it's one of those like lost classic songs by them. It's just a little slice of perfection that doesn't really feel like it has a home, but it also fits really well on this album too. But yeah, vocally, everyone's nailing it. The group vocals are just breezy and awesome. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, but next we get a, 
I'm not going to lie. This is my least favorite song on the album, A Thing or Two. Um, <laughs> not a big fan of this one. I, for some reason, the high notes feel a little weird to me. And But lyrically, it's cool. Just a song for a girl you like, which, you know, that's a classic subject for them. Um, I feel like it could have just, they could have got a better take on this one. That's all I think. See, it's funny because I'm the exact opposite where I really love this song. <laughs> because it's, so, it's so raw and unexpected because you got four songs of like pretty well-produced tracks and then this wacky little number shows up at the end but that that rocking guitar riff the out of sight baby like this kind of like just groovy of the times phrases are thrown out which this album is filled with um yeah i i dig that song it's some weird guitar work on it and i like mike's delivery because it sounds kind of curious in moments it really is. Uh, I will say this, though. I do not skip anything on any of these albums. These are all play, th- play all the way throughs, even if there's something I don't like. So Agreed. Uh, even even with a filler track, it's still it's still worth sitting through. Completely. Uh, and but we, next we get to probably the biggest hit from the album, a downright classic. Uh, Darlin, uh, it's vi- it feels like the most fully realized song on the album. Like this is in my mind, this could have been the song they wrote that like kicked off this whole thing. I don't know if they did that this was, but it could have been. Uh, Carl's vocal sounds really cool, really good. I love that. Um, it was originally intended for a group called Redwood. Uh, yeah. but it ended up being a Beach Boys song. Uh, okay. captures the vibe and spirit of this album perfectly. Like, if you want to know what Wild Honey is all about, this song is the, the one to listen to, I think. Well said. Yeah, Redwood was the band that became Three Dog Night. Um, oh, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, Brian was good friends with Danny Hutton, uh, in those days. And, yeah, Redwood kind of formed into Three Dog Night. But Danny Hutton was like, no, you guys keep that song. That's that's good for you guys. And he was right. It was a top 20 song, which was their first one. And like, I think Heroes and Villains was a top 20 song. So it had been in, in Beach Boys 60s terms, it had been an eternity, which was like eight months since they had a good hit. Yeah, it was way too long. Way too long. And I think that's kind of what saved this album a little bit because it, it peaked uh at like 20 or 21 it did fairly well for itself it didn't sell well but it peaked pretty well in the charts but yeah darlin is just an expressive song and a, and a concert staple that was a, that was carl's standout track besides god only knows for a long time that song just rips oh, totally. um yeah good energy on that one but by far love it love it uh up next a wild brian wilson appeared and i'd love just once to see you <laughs> Uh, this is a nice little ditty. It's very short and to the point, um, but I like it. it it's re- he sounds really good on this one. He sounds kind of more like a little, dr- he sounded a little dreary on the last album. He sounds really happy and sunshiny on this song, I think. And I love the, the ending line. I'd love just once to see you in the dude. It kind of makes the song kind of cute in a way. Like, like you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of trying to like, it's supposed to be sexy, but it's, it's cute. Yeah. From what I remember, he wrote that about his wife's sister, which he was in love with her. Um, oh, I don't know. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that, I guess that, it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't it's realize a, that. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of a. He wrote a couple songs about Diane, like My Diane off of uh, MIU. That was about her. Yeah, Marilyn's sister. But, uh, you know, but yeah, no, it's. It, I, I like this is where Brian starts writing his, what they call slice of life songs where it's, you know, he's like talking about doing the dishes and walking around, getting some milk, doing this, which you would later revisit on like the night was so young and a lot of friends and, right. you know, just kind of like puts it around his house kind of song, which I love that, that um, image of just Brian 
formulating ideas as he's like making breakfast. I think that image is just so cool. But yeah, um, he actually did that song live a few times about 10 years ago. Oh yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I, I would love, uh, just a quick aside, I've never seen the Beach Boys live. I've never seen Brian live. So I'm hoping when this is all over, I can catch one of them. Uh, we'll see. Time. You'll see him. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I think uh, I'm hoping that that 60 year anniversary tour is a thing. Uh, but we'll Rumor see. has it. It happened for 50. Maybe it can happen for 62. <laughs> nice. Uh, Here Comes the Night, another Brian Wilson lead. Um, mm-hmm. This song would later get disco-fied on the Light album, but I prefer this version. It's nice to hear another Brian vocal, and it's very welcome. Not a favorite, but this is no slouch either. This keeps the momentum going good. Yeah, well said. It's got some good energy to it. It's an up-tempo track. Yeah, kind of nice to come out of I Love This Just I'd Love This Wants to See You into this song, um, especially because what comes after is more of a quieter, calmer song, so it's nice to have that up moment yeah Yeah. totally great song uh next we get uh my favorite song on the album uh feels like this could have been on smiley smile that's uh let the wind blow Mm. uh so cool i love that mike carl and brian share vocals uh it's just a dreamy song i love it yeah that chorus is one of my favorite like earworms as well don't take her out of my life please keep her a part of my life like that stuff stays with me a lot. I agree. It's one of my favorite songs from the album as well. And if you get that 1973 live album they did, yeah, that version of the song, woof. Oh man, it's like to a whole different level of what you thought the song could be. Yeah, highly recommend that album for that one song in particular. Nice. But yeah, really dig that song too. Love it. Uh, up next, we got How She Boogalooed It. Uh, this is a strange little rocker with Carl on lead, but it's really cool. It's the first Beach Boys song written without Brian. I like the organ part. And did Carl mention Charles Benson in this thing? I thought I heard Not that I remember. He, he mentions like, you know, the Stone Fox dancing with the police. Hmm. Don't got to worry about disturbing the peace. <laughs> I thought I heard something about Manson in it at one point. I don't know why. Maybe it was just a weird turn of oh, phrase or something. Out of sight dancing, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe that that was- it. This, is, this is one of those songs where it's like out of sight, far out. They fit every little cliche 60s term into it again. But... I like the energy on this one. It's a funky, weird little song. They, they played it live a couple of times uh, back in the day. Yeah. But definitely a forgotten track, if you ask me. Totally. And it's, it's a good one. It's a nice little, it's like the last full song on the album. It's a really good song to like, kind of like wrap that part up on. Because the next one's kind of an outro. Right. Totally. And that, speaking of which, the, I talked about the ghost of Smile. It's back. The vegetables <laughs> have returned on Mama Says. <laughs> uh it's 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 really kind of funny to me to think that this album came out the same year as smiley smile and i have to wonder if people were thinking the damn vegetable song is back at the end of the record yeah exactly two months september 18 december 18 <laughs> exactly they could have timed that better right but yeah i love this track it's just them playing with different tempos and the different speeds leave it to the beach boys to take three or four lines and make it into a whole different song I think it's a cool ending, especially that I've always thought that last breath was like, who at the end was then like releasing 1967 away from their brains. It's like, let's get rid of this. Empty <laughs> out of our soul. We're free now. We're free. We're it's free. Gone. <laughs> let's just get um, rid of that whole year. <laughs> uh, it's over. The nightmare is over, but it was a good, that, that wraps up uh wild honey. This is a great record. Different 
for sure it's uh outlier in the beach boys catalog but it's a good outlier like it's the beach boys do r&b it's the beach boys do motown and that's really cool to hear yeah wonderful uh up next so some interesting events took place transcendental meditation happened and everybody hopped on board with that and there was going to be a transcendental meditation tour um where basically the Maharishi would speak and the Beach Boys would play. Was that before or after the, the next album? That was going to be in uh, the summer of 68 because they met, they wanted to do a UNICEF gig in December of 67 in France, I think, and or England. Maybe France feels right. And then they ended up running into the, Dennis ran into the Maharishi and got all guys to meet him and stuff and then mike went out with the beatles to india in february 68 so he was there for a while and during that time the guys were back home writing friends and then uh, the capital wanted it out by april i think it came out in june mm, yep. remember released june 24 1968 okay friends. and that tour was around that time i think that i think they were touring when the album was going to come out mm. so that whole maharishi tour really cool idea you know, these days it'd probably fly. But yeah. at the time, I mean, it was just too far out for people to be like, so we got to meditate first and then we can watch the Beach Boys. It was such a confusing thing to, uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of what George Harrison did with his Dark Horse tour. We had Robbie Shankar come out and play the sitar with his group for a little bit as, you know, before George and his friends would come on stage. And people were kind of like, what do we do? Like, it was such a, I don't think people were as open musically as they are now. Yeah, Maybe everything, they were back then. everything had to fit in a little box back then, and completely to, for some people, it still it still does, unfortunately. But right, uh, right. It, it was one of those things that was it was great in theory, just didn't work out in practice. And they canceled a whole bunch of shows due to low attendance, or no one bought tickets. Sixty-eight was a really bad year for these guys. Yeah, well, in America. And they, everywhere else in the world, they were complete stars, but in America, not so good. <laughs> this is actually a, a, a good sidebar for us. So was Wild Honey as well-received in England as like Smiley Smiley Bin and Pet Sounds? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, they really could do no wrong everywhere else in the world. I feel like Pet Sounds was their album that put them on the world's radar. I mean, they were known, like Australia knew about the Beach Boys, but the Bee Gees were big fans of them in the early 60s growing up. But Pet Sounds, I think, was kind of like everyone's wake-up call to be like, whoa, who are these guys out of America? I can't wait for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So, I mean, they toured places they never had been to before, like Prague, and they went to Germany, and uh, they were in Russia. I mean, they went to all kinds of places they never thought they would go, and people were just eating it up because they were so starved from the Beach Boys. So, yeah, but in America, you couldn't give their tickets away. They were old hat by that point. I mean, yeah, we joked about the Monterey Pop Festival earlier. If they had <laughs> played that festival, game changer. They would have That's never right. had a problem because music changed overnight. You had The Who, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Mama's the Pop, Otis Redding. You can go on and on. That was Woodstock before there was Woodstock. And everyone who was there was there. And if you weren't there, you got forgotten and left behind. And I really, even if Smile hadn't come out and they had just played that show, would have been an absolute world of a difference for them. So that's, that's one of the moments where I'm kind of like, 
if there was a time machine <laughs> right yeah please like, go play this damn show <laughs> right it's what but it's yeah no it's yeah. what sealed their fate as a legacy act i think and that's kind of sad it was the beginning of that stuff yeah definitely that that happened for sure in the 70s but yeah i mean in the 1967 1968 beach boys you couldn't give their tickets away in america yeah but i mean in england they were like kings they were right up there with the beatles and the stones and all these great groups and people respected them they were treated like you know, one of one of their own they weren't old hat they were new and um, they were fresh they, they were fresh they were new but in america people saw them as the squares who sang be true to your school wearing letterman sweaters and striped shirts like they never escaped that image at that time right which is unfortunate because this album, in my mind, this is one of the best Beach Boys albums ever. We're talking about Friends now. Released June 24th, 1968. This thing, I, I live on this album. This is one of the records I play the most. Um, I play it back to back with 2020. Um, it's just such, like, this album is gorgeous to me. Uh, it's, it's, I sometimes have trouble believing this is part of the Lo-Fi trilogy because it's just so well-produced. It's yeah. so, so pretty and beautiful. And the fact that this album didn't like kind of reach, I think it's full potential just kind of, it's like you said, if we had a time machine, we could have fixed this <laughs> by now, but we didn't. Friends is the story of a band that was making beautiful music and no one cared. Yeah. It was like, it's like the saddest thing. It, it, it peaked at like number 129 or something, which for the Beach Boys was <sighs> abysmal. I mean, it was like no one bought it. And it's the same year where Capital was like, well, no one bought Friends. Let's put out Best of the Beach Boys Volume 3. Oh, crap. No one bought that either. Put out a stack <laughs> of tracks. We'll just take their voices off. Put music on it. No one bought that either. <laughs> oh, my God. What do we do? Like, Capital was lost with these guys because up until 1969, they were still marketed as America's surf rock band. And they kept telling Capital, please stop doing this. We're not surf rock anymore. We haven't been for years. For years. But... I'm right there with you. I get asked a lot what my favorite Beach Boys album is. If I absolutely had to pick just one, it's probably Friends. Because, yeah. you know, here's an album where the Beach Boys are acting as a full unit. I mean, they even put Bruce on the cover for the first time. And that's true. Yeah. You know, everybody writes the songs on here. They're all singing their own songs. Dennis comes into his own. Like this album for me is where the Beach Boys start being the Beach Boys, if you will, because all of their talents are on display. Al's got songwriting credits here. Everybody does. It's just a wonderful, breezy, comfortable album that is so inoffensive. And that's why it, it didn't do well because people wanted Hendrix and Cream and, you know, The Who and, you know, having right. this thing come out, people are like, what do we do with this? <laughs> it's not in your face. It's very no. gentle, but in a good way. It's, it's, it's comforting to the ear. It's very good. And to me... I was just thinking about this. I just thought the name Beach Boys, it kind of could, it could conjure up two things. Like you, you think of the surfer, like you could hear the name Beach Boys. You, you could think of the surfer image or you could think of like just this, this chiller vibe. Like there's great, great harmonies, really trippy songwriting and just tight ass vocals. It's incredible. And it's funny you mentioned the name because by 1969, Brian wanted to call the band Beach. Interesting. He wanted, he wanted to strip the boys part off because it sounded old hat at that point. So he wanted Beach. And then they were like, nah, it's way too much marketing. <laughs> way too much yeah. paperwork. 
<laughs> yeah. The artists formerly known as the Beach Boys. <laughs> Including all the Beach Boys. Oh, there's Prince. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. That's that's funny. But yeah, let's get into this track by track, man, because I cannot wait to talk about some of these songs. Um, yeah. Start Starting with Men For You, uh, this is the Our Prayer of this album. It's very short. It's got a nice like little... That. Yeah, it's a nice little vocal from Mike. Um, but I wish it would stick around longer. But it is, like I said, it's like a prayer. It's there and then it just kind of floats away. Have you heard the full version? I have not. I think it's on one of those... Uh, those like They do the complete year on, on two CDs, like 1967, 1968. It's on one of... Or it might be on the Made in California box set. Oh, okay. But the song goes on for a whole song. And it's oh, like Brian saying about puppy dogs and stuff. It takes a complete left turn. It's wow. Because you hear this beautiful 38 seconds of bliss and you're like, wow, what an amazing track. And then it disappears into nothingness. You're like, oh my God, I want more. And then you hear the more and you're like, oh, now I see why they cut it all off. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Leave like, it there. We're good. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's good as a prayer. It's good as an intro then, but yeah, it, it hooks you in. I mean, you're like, you, you, your ears perk up. You're like, huh? Yeah, it, it is that very meditative Beach Boys mode. You know, sitting down, closing your eyes, thinking about something, a very meditative state. And so you're pushed right into this world of, you know, TM as they were into it at the time. But yeah, yep. great little song. Now, up next, we get uh, the song that made me want to check this album out on that greatest hits collection I showed earlier. Uh, Friends, uh, one of the best Beach Boy songs ever, supremely underrated. It's just a song about friendship, friendship, but man, they do it so well. Brian's production is in full swing on this one. I know it was a single, but it only made it to 47, which guts me because more people should hear the song. It's just gorgeous. The instrumentation, the harmonica, the marimba, that vocal performance, like this would have fit on an earlier Beach Boy album as well, too, lyrically, I think. It's just so perfect. Like they're at the height of their powers again. Like it's another peak in the Pantheon, I, th I think. Like, you know, this is the next peak after Pet Sounds for sure. Well said. I completely agree. And Brian wrote it because he wanted to hear a waltz time song on the radio. He wanted to hear a waltz on the radio, but... Huh. No, you're completely right. I mean, those harmonies where they all blend together to create that moment of bliss. Um, that's one of the most intricate, hard, complex vocals ever. And they make it sound so easy, which is a mark of a, a brilliant writer. Is when you make something really hard sound easy. Because if anybody tries to replicate that, good luck, because you're not going to do it. <laughs> right, no, this, uh, is not the, this is not the Beach Boys song to cover in your cover band. <laughs> oh, God, no, completely not, but... Yeah, I absolutely adore this song, too. It's just a nice, sweet little track. I love the line, I talked your folks out of making you cut off your hair. Like, right. to me, that's one of my favorite moments because it's very of its time. But it's also about, you know, sticking out for your friends. Like, you know, oh, he's being a bit rebellious. He's got long hair. Don't worry, I talked to your parents. Like, you're good, you're good. Like, I like that moment, you know? And it's, good. it's a good way to look at, like, the band, too, at that point. They're still, like, they've been through a lot, but they're still friends. And there's, like... There, there hasn't been that much like you know like nobody's been ripped apart yet like they they would get eventually unfortunately but it's it's so cool it's such a beautiful song i could go on the, on about this one all day it's just perfect sam yeah uh up next we got <laughs> uh we got wake the world uh more gorgeous production i always find myself going this is lo-fi this is lo-fi but 
I, I, it counts, I guess. Some nice strings here. Uh, it's the first song Alan Bryan wrote together, which is unique. Isn't that cool? I love yeah. that. Took took them long enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this song has some really nice changes, and I love the way the verses blend into this, like, because the verses have like a little bit of a minor feel to it before blasting into this joyous euphoric chorus. Another song that worked really well live. They played the hell out of this thing live back in the day. Mm, yes. And um, yeah, I just like, I love the transitions on this one. I think I used to play this one in my open mic night days. Oh yeah? I'm pretty sure this is what I used to do. Yeah, because it was pretty easy to figure out. One of the few songs you can kind of sing without having other people with you from the Beach Boys. There aren't many of those, uh, so. There's not. Yeah, it's really not. But yeah, that's such a nice little song. That was the B-side to, um, uh, I think it was the B-side to Friends, actually. Oh, wow. So they literally just took, they just took. The I can't two, remember. They just took the two songs that were next to each other and put them out. I love it. <laughs> that, that may have been it. I'm, I'm getting my songs backwards. I know Little Bird was a B-side to something. And Wake the World was definitely the B-side to something else. So who knows? no one bought it anyways <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately yeah you know i just had this thought you know it's funny we met, we talked about all those other bands that played monterey pop and blew up you know the mamas and the papas also kind of have that vocal blend sound and oh, yeah. and it's it's funny you you wonder if that that they would have you know what like if this could have just stuck like if someone at the radio given it a chance like if some of these songs could have stuck it would have maybe fit next to that sound you know, that's a good point. And I've, I've thought about that too. The only argument I have towards that is that the Mamas and the Papas were basically the same sound from beginning to end. Those yeah. three or four years they existed, they never changed. So like that was like their AM radio sound the whole time. Whereas the Beach Boys started as one thing and became another over the course of six or seven years. Um, so they had time to grow. But yeah, you're completely right. I mean, Moms and the Papas were totally borrowing from the Beach Boys playbook there with their harmonies. Completely. Oh, yeah. Completely. Um, up next, we got Be Here in the Morning. Nice falsetto vocal from Al Jardine, I think, is singing the lead on that one. I'm pretty uh, sure it's Al. It sounds like him. It's just another great love song about wanting to be with the person you're in love with because they complete you. Uh, something in this song reminds me of something I've heard on Smile, but I can't figure out what it is. But regardless, oh. I love the song. I haven't been able to figure it out. There's something on here that reminds me of Smile. That's interesting. I like that. I like the church bell sounds in the chorus, the bells ringing in the background of that. Yeah. Oh! oh. <laughs> elongate that with a pretty crazy reverb on the back of it. I love that. Totally. Yeah, that's a fun, that, that's a fun song. Yeah, Al is hitting some falsettos on there. You, you couldn't imagine uh, him hitting, but him and Brian, I mean, they're dead ringers for each other in that falsetto stuff sometimes really they are it's it's incredible like everybody's voice sounds really good on this album um, oh yeah not to disparage smiley smile but at times the vocals sounded a little like maybe tired or strained like here everybody sounds really full yeah they got some sleep the night before they made this one yeah yeah like the the, the trip there were no, there was no trips here like it was just meditation well that's the thing they were really high when they did smiley smile oh totally <laughs> you, you have to be, you have to be to write she's going bald Oh, right. I mean, they recorded some songs laying on the floor with the microphones on top of their heads as they're on their backs singing up to the ceiling. So, I mean, yeah, good times. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, when a man needs a woman, uh, this song is very cutesy. It's a song about telling your kids about the birds and the bees. And 
I don't, it's my least favorite song on the album, but it doesn't sound bad. Like, I love the carnival, like, organ on it. It's very cool. The vocals, of course, are gorgeous, like they are on the rest of the album. But I don't know. Part of me feels like this should have been maybe just something he's just sang to his kids. It's not as cringy as something like Hey Little Tomboy, but oh, I no. put those two songs in the same band. <laughs> I'll take... I'll take a hundred of when a man needs a woman's over anything. Hey, little tomboy, any day. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that um, is a Chris Hansen call. Chris Hansen song. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mr. Wilson. Will you have a seat here with me? Have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it, it's funny too because the words like you know mentioning having a son because Marilyn was pregnant with Carney, but they didn't know it was going to be a girl yet. So he sings about having a boy, and then Carney shows up instead. So. I wonder what she thought of that hearing the song for the first time. But <laughs> I, know, I know she's a fan of Friends. I know she's a fan of this album. But um, yeah, a lot of people wrote this one. Brian, Dennis, Al, Steve Korthoff, Jay Parks. Yeah, a lot of people on this one. Yeah, interesting track. Just not my. Just if on my on this album that I adore, it's just my least favorite. And again, I never skip it. Sounds great. Just kind of a strange concept, and maybe it's because I'm not planning on having kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's definitely. It's, it's my least favorite song, I'd say, too. But I'm using that term so loosely because I'll still play it. And I still like it. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's just a warm, sweet little vibe to it, which is why I like this album anyway. It's a very intimate, vibey album. Totally. Uh, but right up next, man, Passing By. We're back on track. I love the gorgeous, wordless harmonies. It's so great. Uh, the song did have words at one point, but they just took them out. Uh, it's like a happier, less scary version of the Woodpecker song. It's just, you're having, <laughs> you're having a good trip. Like nothing bad is happening. Yeah. This song is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the vocals on this one, the harmonizing as well. And yeah, there was only a couple of lines of actual words, which I'm kind of glad it took off because it, it gives it such a nice life to itself um, as an instrumental. And I, I like that it closes the side one as an instrumental. You get kind of a, closing feeling to it but again it's got that warm that's why i love the back picture of this album because it's, a, it's for nice. those who can't see it at the warm sunset in front of the ocean and that song just perfectly encapsulates this picture for me yeah that vision also that like that picture that's a good if you want to know what a visual of what a sound for an album is like that's what this album sounds like the feeling yeah you with that photo is what this album sounds like to me some people think this should have been the front cover because a lot of people, a lot of people hate this cover. It's one of really? my favorite album covers. I so love this album cool. cover. I think it's I, great. I love it. Yeah, man. that's a, it's a, it's a trippy cover, but man, it's wow. People are weird. People are weird. That's one way to put it. <laughs> um, yeah, let's uh, next track. Annalie the Healer, uh, hmm. a nice Mike Love vocal. It's a song about a rock and roll masseuse. It's a very pretty. It's a well done song. Great harmonies. Um, I love the percussion on this one and insert your own joke about happy endings and hand shots here. <laughs> She's just healing. There's nothing weird <laughs> about this song. Nothing at all. Um, yeah. My, one of my favorite moments, and I think I actually mentioned this in my video review for this album was where there's a line before Mike talks. It sounds like he's swallowing and taking a breath at the same time. It's like, when did you get in random middle street? I forget the words are, but um it sounds like he wasn't ready for the the take but they kept it in anyway and every time i can't unhear that now every time i hear it i'm like oh there's mike swallowing before he sings again but yeah 
Mike finally came back from India and helped out writing a song because he was gone for a lot of this album. And he finally showed up again with this one. But yeah, it's a cool little song. I love that vocalization at the end of the coda there with the, the healer, the healer. I love that part. Yeah, cool song. Yeah, so cool. One of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Up next, we got Little Bird. This song is interesting. A Dennis Wilson track. It's really solid. I'm not sure what's going on lyrically, but this song really stands out to me. The way the cello is mixed, it kind of reminds me of ELO too, which is, you know, Ooh, precursor yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can dig that. And there's also a little child is the father of the man in here. So that, that smile ghost pops up again. Uh, <laughs> I, I, between this song and the next one, I'm really starting to think I need to check out. Uh, the, I have the Dennis Wilson solo album. I've just never listened to it. Ooh, prepare yourself. It's a heavy listen. It's is it? absolutely incredible. It's something you'll never forget. And it's going to take you a, a while to absorb it. But it's one of those albums that grows with you over time and changes with you. And cool, man. Hell of an album. But yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I love Little Bird. I, I love the imagery of just how it's another one of those slice of life type of songs where finally Dennis gets to have a song on the album, number one. Number two, he's singing it lead vocal wise, which he didn't have too many lead vocals at this point in the band. So it's nice to hear him do that. But, you know, a, a nice little pleasant song about Try not to let life bother you too much. Like, yeah, you're going to have hardships, but if this bird can make it, being a bird doing bird stuff, you can do it. <laughs> I kind of like that mentality to it. Um, it's just a nice, calming, reflective song. This is, for me, one of the most meditative tracks on the album. I, I, and you're right, those chugging cellos are very ELO reminiscent. You're, you totally called it on that. Yeah, um, it's very, like... Uh... 1038 overture. Vroom, 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 yeah. Vroom. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, completely. But, um, great song. Yeah, they used to do this one live once in a while, too. But I just like it. Nice little song. Totally. And continuing the Dennis trend, we got Be Still. Just, man, this was like the point where I'm like, I. I have to pull the plastic wrap off that CD and listen to it. Uh, <laughs> he, he's like the dark horse of the band. This song is just gorgeous. I wish it lasted longer. Isn't it crazy? Like, you know, at this point, Carl had been taking more of a, of a lead on Wild Honey. That was kind of his album. Friends is everybody, but Brian was still in the control seat big time on this album. This was his baby yeah. for sure. Cause he wanted to make an album to chill out with. And this is totally it, but yeah, you, you're totally right. I mean, it's like Dennis was their secret weapon. Like, where's this guy been all this time? Like, you know, when he's not, not chasing girls and surfboarding and driving his cars a million miles an hour, he can write some really damn good songs. And um, yeah, two absolute knockout highlights on side two that really add some depth to this album. Yeah, it's at, at this point, you're just, you're just like, I'm sure people like, if there was like the hardcore Beach Boy fans back in the day, like that are enjoying this, they're like, man, the band is back. And yeah. they're, they're wondering why this isn't taking off because it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah, it really is. I mean, the, the four people that bought it in America must have really loved it. But I'm um, sure <laughs> <laughs> across the world, it did pretty well for itself because Do It Again was on it in uh, different countries. Oh, that's, so oh, I like that song, but that's not right. That doesn't, no. The, the oh, good vibrations did, if you will. Yeah, yeah, they did. But this one actually doesn't work. Ooh. Yeah, it doesn't oh. fit. I mean, it was a huge song for them, especially in America. Oh, yeah. It was a top 20 song. It was number one in England. It was a gigantic song. But yeah, they tacked it on to some, I forget where in the shy list they threw it on there. But yeah. 
Yeah, I love it too. But man, that's talk about jarring. Like you, you go from this more like beautiful, meditative, you know, pensive vibe to like this rocking, like straight, like big drum sound. It's real. That's got that had to be a trip. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but it's strange though that I'm so so like that though because I also love the 2020s on this disc and I play I play them together a lot. You know, I just kind of have them separated in my mind. So yeah, that's totally strange. yeah. Uh, uh, busy doing nothing. Nice little bossa nova number. I feel like I should be having drinks at like a beachside bar. Uh, <laughs> Brian works in directions to his house and they're super vague, but I think I like it. It's really cool. It to me this could be the first easily listening yacht rock song i think definitely yeah i love this one do you have that greatest hits volume two cd handy next to you there i do it i don't think so let me double check i can't Uh, remember because like i remember this was one of the first no it was on um classics selected by brian wilson that's okay yeah i like i love that thing by the way that's a great compilation yeah that was the first time i heard busy doing nothing and it was one of those weird songs. Because so at that time, I never knew what Friends was. And yeah, this really bizarre, yeah, Bossa Nova type track with Brian giving this really chill vocal and having to remember a phone number and then giving directions to his house. <laughs> what a weird little song. But it's, this is the only place this song could live is on this album. No other album would this song fit on. It's oh, perfect no. for Friends. And it's such a, it's like the most produced song on the album. There's so much happening instrument-wise on this thing. And I think Brian's the only guy singing on it by himself. I think it's just him. Yep, yep. I think this song and the next one probably have the most production. Uh, Diamond Head. Yeah. yeah. In, in like this, this evokes the vibe that the back cover puts out. Like I'm at the beach. I'm meditating. Like I'm, I'm there. That, that's what Diamond Head is to me. Like, there's, it's, it's a little ASMR-y again, but it's a cool little track. I kind of wish it closed the album, though, instead of Transcendental Meditation. I feel like it's a good way to end things. But I can see that. Yeah, this Diamond Head for me has always been that track where if I was, like, at a 60s lounge party where there's, like, really funky clocks in the walls and people are wearing expensive ties and they're all drinking, like, fancy cocktails and they're walking around talking about jazz. Like, that's... That's the song playing in the background for me is, is Diamond Head. Yeah. It just sounds like it's straight ripped out of Hawaii. And I love it. It's such a good production. The ukulele parts that stand out, the breezy atmosphere that you hear waves on that song. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's just the, the imagery on that is unbelievable. And it's one of the longest songs in the album. I think it's the longest song in the album. Yep. They're like three and a half minutes. <laughs> Yeah, they really fleshed this one out. It's it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Brian was still doing 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 his production thing. He was he was the ma- like the master conductor, and it worked out great. And a lot of people don't realize that. People think he just stopped smiling and then went to his room for the next ten years. He was extremely hands on with these three albums in every aspect. Carl had more input on Wild Honey, I'd say, but on Friends, this was his baby. Brian was all over this thing. Right. You could argue this is like, for a while at least, this was his last all-in input on mm. each voice. I, yeah. I'd say up until about 15 big ones, probably. Yeah, that one and like uh, uh, Beach Boys Love You, I think. Oh, especially Love You. Yeah, especially that one. But yeah, I mean, after this, 2020, Brian's barely there on that one. I mean, he's he's there, but 
nowhere near as much as he was with these three albums. Totally. Uh, but let's wrap things up with Transcendental Meditation. And for a song about meditating, this one rocks. <laughs> it's really strange. It's very cool. I, I like I like this song a lot. It, it feels like, though, in a way, I get a little sad. It feels like the end of an era. It was totally the end mm. of this era of the band. Brian's vocal sounds a little weird, but I love I, I don't mind. I enjoy what he's doing. Uh, it, it wraps up this whole lo-fi trilogy in a nice little bow. And, you know, it wraps up the Beach Boys on a really high note for that that era. Even if this album didn't sell, like they were together and creative and functioning at a super high level on this album. Yeah. And it brings it all home nicely. Yeah, it's a nice wrap up. And you're right. It's kind of nice to have that weird far out moment on this album because the rest of the album is all pretty chill. So it's kind of it's almost jarring to hear this song because it comes out of nowhere. And it's got this like. I don't want to use the word annoying feel to it, but it's definitely like an in-your-face kind of song. And I, I do like that it's part of that trilogy where it's, um, you know, starting off with Heroes and Villains, which is a crazy weird song, and then ending with this crazy weird song. But you're right. For a song about transcendental meditation, it's the farthest thing from being transcendent or meditational. <laughs> we're partying because we're going to get calm and chill. That's why we're partying. <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Yeah, Meditate. exactly. It's great, uh, man. but yeah, Friends, great record. Uh, for me, the best of the three we talked about tonight. Just, I love it. Uh, 10 out of 10 album for me. Oh, easy. Easily 10 out of 10, yeah. So they put this out, it bombs. And unfortunately, Brian, Brian's admitted to a psych hospital after the album. He was not yeah. in a good place. And then the Beach Boys, they kept making good music after this. Like Surf's Up is one of their best records, in my opinion. But... Mm -hmm. As far as like you know, commercial things go commercially, they spun. They had just they were spinning their wheels a little bit. Like things were not quite the same after this one. Yeah, they, I mean, '68 was impossibly hard for them. You know, because as most bands do, they make most of their money from touring. Yeah. But back then, you could actually make money from album sales, which you can't anymore. But whole different world back then. But yeah, by '69, you know, Brian even publicly said, "We need a big single. Or we're going to be broke." So they put out "Breakaway," hoping that would do it. Didn't really do much of anything. It was a great song. Yeah. And then um, then they left Capitol. And from there, that's where things really took off. They did uh, Sunflower as a whole group project. Sun Surf's Up was the culmination of a new management team. And that album really did well for them in the charts. For the first time, they were getting taken seriously. And then they you know, toured with the Grateful Dead. They did all these like really underground college shows. They just started all over again. Right. And yeah, yeah Holland was an absolute masterpiece. And then Things, uh, you know, and the summer came out and that was it. It was pretty much oldies act from there on out. Well, yeah. new music came out constantly, but, you know, their, their hits were what was played at the concert. It, it sealed their fate. It really did. It, it did. Um, I love Endless Summer. It's what got me into the band and I will always love that album. Um, but it must have been heartbreaking in 1975 when 15 Big Ones came out after Loving Holland and how amazing that album was to hear what they did with that record. And yeah, it's, it's again, one of those time machine moments, you know, what if the beach boys story is a what if story. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of, there were a lot of crosswords roads moments that kind of made or broke the band. And unfortunately it seems like more often than, than not, they went down. Maybe it's not the wrong path, but not the one that most people would have suggested they go down. I, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that completely. They always found their way out. I mean, they're still one of the most successful bands of all time. They, they didn't oh, yeah. find for themselves. 
you know, they're not losing sleep at night, but. <laughs> oh yeah. No, the legacy is sealed, which was kind of my next, next thing, you know, whatever happened after this, the legacy is sealed still. Like nothing's mm-hmm. going to taint it. Nothing. Completely. No. I mean, it's just amazing that generations after generations of people still discover this band and fall in love with them and their story. And they'll never be out of style. They'll always be a band that's investigated and read about and hypothesized about forever, just as much as the Beatles or anybody else. Totally. Totally. Like, it's amazing that even like, you know, like me, like came coming in so, so late, just kind of writing them off in my mind is like, Oh, they're, they're that, you know, surf band for years. Like you can yeah. come in and you can find all this, stuff that becomes some of your new favorite music it's really cool and it really holds up it's a testament to the strength of their work uh it's a testament to brian's production just it's a testament to everything about the band and that's why i wanted to do this episode i wanted to talk spotlight something i don't think gets enough spotlight and i wanted to talk about this band so it, i'm really glad you agreed to do this i appreciate you coming on here man so this was absolutely a blast to do man um yeah, let me know if you want to do any more again. I'm, I'm down. This is oh, super t- <laughs> oh, totally. We, we, we may. Um, I had other ideas I ping-ponged around, too. I ping-ponged around Beach Boys in the 70s. I ping-ponged around uh, the surf years. I ping-ponged around what I what I like to call, like, the like focusing on the middle era, which is, like, the Beach Boys today. And uh, why can't I think of the name? Summer of the- Days. Yeah, Summer Days, Summer Nights. The, the middle era, as I call it, like, the, the, the transitional albums and going into pet sounds so yeah i've definitely got other beach boy stuff i want to do so who knows yeah sign me up man but no you're, you're totally right their legacy is sealed uh for me the most amazing thing about this band is how surprising they are where if you tell someone no you gotta hear this beach boy song they'll go wow i know they could sound like that and that's that moment for me has always been my favorite you know, like playing, yeah. and particularly, it's usually Smiley Smile. That's usually the album I play for people because they were not expecting that. They're expecting fun, 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 and don't worry, baby. And you get silk and hair, more silk and hair. You know. <laughs> yep. It's really, it's really the, the, the gift that keeps on giving. Totally. Completely. I've, I've got two more, more things to bring this all home. So, uh, just to kind of put the trilogy's history into perspective and how alive it is today. How, so, for starters, you've seen Brian Wilson. How many times have you seen either Brian Wilson or the Beach Boys in your life? I saw Brian do the Smile Tour in 2005. That feels right. And I saw the Beach Boys on the 50th tour in 2012. So I've seen them twice. Okay, okay. And when you saw those shows, uh, obviously the Smile Show, there's going to be stuff that pops up. But when you saw the 50, 50th tour, was there much that popped, like bubbled up in the set from the trilogy or... Was it kind of just good vibrations and heroes and villains? And that was it. That was it. Yeah. Those are the two they definitely played. Uh, yeah, no, that was it. Yeah. No, huh. Did they play Darlin? They may have done Darlin. No, did they do Wild Honey? Crap. I can't remember now. I know they were doing Wild Honey in 2017 for its 50th anniversary. Mike and his band were doing it. Hmm. You know what? I think it was just Good Vibrations and Heroes and Balance. I don't think they played Darl. No, that was going to only know. Yeah, no, nothing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting. That's kind of weird to me. Like, because like, I, I feel like these songs should get more spotlight. I'm sure they're hard to pull off, but man, there's some great stuff here that's worth checking out. Like if, if you're just, a, if you just know the hits, go check these three out. I highly recommend it. And uh, to bring it all home, there was one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, it's a little, it's a different band, but 
I thought this was relevant because this record just came out. Um, I got OK Human by Weezer here. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah. I hear a lot of Beach Boys on this thing. Would, oh, you, say, would you agree? Completely. Oh, yeah. Rivers is a huge. They're all big Beach Boys fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they named a song yeah. after him. Yeah, let's not talk about that album. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was my first album. Was really good. What was that, that? That was my first Weezer album. Oh my god! I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wait. Don't get me wrong. I, I won't go on a tangent. But that album has some great moments on it, and Scott's bass playing is the most fantastic thing I've heard from him playing bass on Pacific Daydream. But. Um, yeah, no, the new Weezer album, okay, uh, okay, computer, okay, human, is uh, it's the surprise that we weren't expecting. I mean, we knew about it for years. We knew it was going to be a coming out at some point. We, they've talked about it for a couple of years now, right? But um, it's emotive, it's sophisticated, it's, it's complex, it's mature. There's so much depth and dynamics on this thing because they're playing with new textures and it works so well for them it's such a natural progression for them to go down so yeah i'm i've been a weezer fan since 2000 when the green album came out so i've I've been here for a long time and i've seen them go through many ups and downs many and (laughs) (laughs) but this one is an absolute highlight i think i just did a video for it. it's coming out or came out recently but um I, th- I think I gave it a 9 out of 10. I loved it. Yeah, the, very Beach Boys-y. And- it very is. It really is. Um, I hear, like, Brian's influence on this thing is undeniable. The orchestration, uh, just the lushness of this thing. Like, if also, if you're a Beach Boys fan listening to this and you don't listen to a lot of new music, pick up Weezer OK Human. You're going you're gonna to dig it, I promise. Absolutely. Totally. And uh, a quick side, sidebar as to why, like, I think people will find this entertaining. Why Pacific Daydream was my first Beach Boys album. So I grew up. Please tell me. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, but Pacific Daydream was my first Weezer album. Uh, so I grew up listening to my parents' classic rock, and I had this weird prejudice in my mind that newer music wasn't as good. That prejudice <laughs> obviously lifted from me over the years, but I missed out on a lot of bands because of this. So I ended up coming to a lot of, a lot of bands like Blink 182 or Sum 41 very late. And yeah. Weezer was one of those bands I came to very late. And it's especially shocking because my favorite band of all time is The Cars and Rick Ocasek is involved in Ooh. like three of their biggest albums. So Love The Cars. Yeah, lo- amazing. I could talk about them for hours too. So I jumped in the year Pacific Daydream came out um, and it was the first one I bought as a new release. I was just excited for it. I was hyped. And yeah. I-, I know most people don't like it, but man, I've got a soft spot for it for it i love the song beach boys and mm-hmm. i love any friend of diane's uh la mancha screw job mexican fender it, it's a fun record but i i get why some why you had that reaction well i like that you like it i i love when people have the complete opposite reaction to me because that means that i need to go back and play it again and i love mexican fender that song came out of the white album session so that's a bit of an older one at that point that was floating around but yeah qb blitz that's a good song um yeah i do like the song beach boys i think it's cool uh, i didn't like that summer song i forget what that one was called and it feels like <laughs> that's that's the one uh i wasn't feeling that one too much but yeah i mean it was an interesting era for them man it was uh that was a weird time yeah, 
It was a weird sound. But again, Scott's bass playing on that whole album is phenomenal. His bass playing is awesome on that whole album. If it was just him, 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Not to get too much more tangent, but I got to ask, thoughts on the Black Album? Black Album's good, but it's, it's forgettable. And that's what makes me sad about it. I love High as a Kite, living in L.A. And um, there's another one on there I like. But like those two songs really stick out to me. Like they're like really good pop songs. But the rest of the album, there's nothing offensive about it. It's not bad, but it's not memorable to me. It's, um, you know, it's good, but okay, human is like... Yeah, no, that, welcome that, home yeah it's a, it's a redeeming <laughs> moment for sure i didn't just like yeah. i didn't just like black album quite as much as you did like the songs i love on there i adore but there's which ones do you like oh i love uh can't knock the hustle zombie bastards high as a kite uh i'm a big prince fan so prince who wanted everything sticks out to me quite a bit living in la kind of sound like you know i I've, I've lived in la for a while i live in san diego now um oh cool so that song I, I dig and I dig California snow, but everything else kind of is, the, it's there. I like that you like those songs. Cause now I want to go back and play that record again and be like, what did I miss? <laughs> I'm glad I, I may, who knows? Maybe you'll, maybe you'll catch something I didn't. I need to go back. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's great about music is it changes and grows as you change and grow. So I never hold myself to one thing because I like, I'll like it later on probably. Yeah. Like I, I'll, I'm not gonna lie. I don't like you that much yet. Oh, I love that one. I know that people, was like yeah, a I big people, deal when that came out. <laughs> yeah, I know people love that one, but I I don't know. Maybe I think I need to spend more time with it. I haven't given up on it. Very rarely do I just give up on an album, but yeah, that one just hasn't clicked for me yet. Those those last couple of songs on that album, like the instrumental, what they call it, the Wasteland trilogy or something. Yeah, that. Um, love that. Love that. That was like the crowning moment coming off of Hurley a couple years earlier, hearing them do this was like, whoa, Weezer's back. <laughs> and then the White Album came out. And that was amazing. And Pacific Daydream came out. We were like, <laughs> we're so close. <laughs> we were, we could have had greatness. We were this close. <laughs> <laughs> Weezer's yeah, my, an interesting band, man. They are, they are. We may end up doing a Weezer podcast at some point too. Dude. Sign me up. I've, I've seen them a thousand times. I've been there. I've, I've met them. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. Well, Giggins, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, where can people find you? Like, what do you want to plug? I'm on YouTube, youtube.com slash Giggins. I'm a guy who looks like a nerdy dude talking about the Beach Boys. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Giggins with an underscore after it. And, um, that's pretty much it. I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. So don't worry about that. But Instagram and and YouTube. You can find me there. Nice. Well, Giggins, it's been fun, man. Uh, Till next time, I'm your host, The Sly Dog. Peace, love, and music. Thank you for listening to The Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.